This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and talked to Adam Ryla. Adam is a passionate bird hunter. He loves taking his dogs out uh, to hunt birds throughout the entire U.S. He's also a entrepreneur, a businessman, uh, so a world that I'm interested in for sure, but it was also fun to hear about, again, the, the bird hunting, the working with the dogs, how he got into that. I enjoyed this one. I hope you do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Adam, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Yeah. Here to talk about uh, a number of things and we'll go any different direction, but really your life, I look at uh, history and law enforcement, uh, which has transitioned into business entrepreneurship. You've also got a, a big f- passion for pheasant hunting or is it bird hunting in upland general? Upland bird hunting. Okay. Upland and actually hunting. we're starting to take on duck hunting now too. Okay. Locally or out west or all the above or where? All the above. I've been all over the Midwest and uh, Arizona included. Okay. Is that removing everything else? I, I suppose removing the professional side of your life. I mean, upland bird, duck hunting, that's number one over everything else that you've got going on except for our grandkids that we just started having and, sure, <laughs> and sure. family but yeah for, right. for hobby for sure i'm uh, all in on bird hunting okay have you always been that way or is that a, a later in life kind of thing no it's uh later in life for sure as a young kid my grandfather on my mom's side really took me under his wing on hunting and trapping and then when high school sports started um, kind of lost interest or maybe lost time for it mm-hmm. was fly fishing a little bit back then. Um, but really out of the outdoors and probably nine years ago, out of the blue, one of my friends asked me to go pheasant hunting hmm. and it was spur of the moment. I don't even know why I said yes. And I had never pheasant hunted, hadn't grouse hunted or serious grouse hunted even in years. And my cell phone rang one day at the shop and, uh, want to go pheasant hunting we're leaving tomorrow i said yes huh. and when i hung up i thought oh boy <laughs> <laughs> so i called my wife and she's like what does it cost i have no idea right. <laughs> but i'm going yeah go she said and so um when i came home from there i couldn't believe how much i had loved it yeah and um shortly thereafter we had a family golden retriever pass we said we are not getting another dog my daughter who loves animals was like dad, we got to get another dog, you know, yeah. really after us to get another dog. And I said, well, we're not really into getting a puppy. I said, why don't we find a hunting dog that'll hunt birds? And it started. Mm-hmm. Well, she found a German short hair pointer in uh, Rockford, Illinois. And we made plans to go there. We got about a mile away and I said, listen, if this dog isn't everything it's supposed to be, we're walking away. Right. We're not going to take someone else's problems. Yeah, for sure. And, um, well, the started dog didn't work out, 
But of course, as we're walking to our truck, they opened the pen, puppy pen who all came bounding across the yard. <laughs> and uh, we put a deposit down on a puppy. Yeah. Even though we said we wouldn't. And that dog, it'll be um, eight in May. Okay. And from the first year that we had him in the fall, I've been hunting like crazy. I literally let people say, oh, I go hunting with, for the dog or with the dog or because of the dog. It's all of that. Sure. And, um, we ended up getting another dog from that litter a few years later. And now, which is my daughter's dog. And um, we have another dog from a different family that another short hair. So. Okay. Um, so three currently. Yeah. Well, one's Cassidy's and, um, she doesn't live at home anymore. So, okay. but I still hunt with three. I'll bring them along or rotate them in. Sure. Sure. So that, that first time pheasant hunting out West, totally blind experience you were going with, it just kind of, uh, caught you off guard almost to say yes. Oh yeah, kind of thing. for sure. What was that experience like? And why did that grip you? Um, a lot of it was the camaraderie. There was only one dog maybe two of the group about eight to ten guys and i think a lot of it was the friendship but then watching a pheasant flush and it was an amazing year that year that we went you could actually we hunted a lot of cropland and you could hear them and that you know running through the crop um and then when flush it would just be so exhilarating and then when one would get shot Mm -hmm. the retrieve was awesome and uh the point i mean it gives you chills and then walking across the prairie um is just awesome the sun rises the sun sets and i don't even like to walk to go get the mail but if you tell me to walk 10 miles across the prairie i'm all in i'll be right there with you right, right. and maybe more you know but um yeah there's something about that big open western landscapes that just draw you in yeah for sure and i i'll say that firsthand that's what this is born from is my obsession with mule deer hunting, which is just uh, that same same thing. Just the entire experience is just unbelievable. But taking it back to that first time, did you did you have a, I mean a gun and gear and everything, or did you borrow that from people, or how did that work? So I I believe I had one borrowed shotgun and one that I had received as a present many years ago from my grandfather. Okay, and um, yeah, my gear was junk, you yeah. know, and uh, but you don't know what you don't know, right? And you start hunting with other people that hunt a lot and they have good gear and um, all except for one or two in that group. I've surpassed them probably in the moment. A lot of these guys are hunt. That's their hunt, right? They hunt one. And truthfully, if you live in Michigan, you get one pheasant hunt usually. And I've since expanded that. Uh, This year I made six trips out west. Unreal. And it's just awesome. I was out there early September for opener of sharp tail hunting went back for opener of um which was sharp tail and hungarian partridge and then went back for opener of uh pheasant hunting and then a couple few times and then i during the season and then i was in arizona quail hunting and then i was in <laughs> the last weekend of uh january south dakota has made their season extended it to january 31st hmm. i didn't have anything really going on and i was talking to my wife about it and she said i have to work all weekend what are you doing and she loves when i leave with the dogs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they try, they're high energy so it's yeah. it's a handful having the house she's like why don't you go somewhere with the dogs and i'm i said well south dakota's season's open i'm leaving so yeah. i left thursday night and i actually cruised the back roads through wisconsin minnesota 
uh, spent the night on the border there and then hunted uh, uh, South Dakota for a few days until it closed on Monday. Then I just meandered back. Yeah. Are you typically going alone? No. Usually with... There's two uh, guys locally that I primarily hunt with. Okay. One of them's a snowbird, and that's where I go stay in Arizona with him. Sure. And uh, he's been a huge mentor of mine. Um, He's been woodcock and grouse hunting for 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's really taken me and one of my other friends under our wing, and we hunt like crazy locally, you know, after work or the weekends or... Um, and my wife's a big NFL fan. Sure. So on Sunday, she, the last thing she wants is me at the house. Right. So yeah. I can, uh, interrupt the football game. She's like, just go hunting. Yeah. So we're lucky in that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So I am curious a lot of, a lot of these interviews and with you right now, I'm curious about the trajectory, right? Like mm-hmm. you sound like it was really quick on a micro scale, like the trajectory of that first week. Because that's, I think, a, a neat moment, but also the trajectory after that. So the first week, was it like first day, you're, you're like, what on earth am I getting into? Or, or Yeah, and I was nervous, and, you know, you're hunting with a bunch of guys. I, well, I knew everyone there, yeah, but never really hunted with any of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really, our friendships have all grown even tighter because sure. of that annual trip. Um, so the very next year, the guy that organizes that trip, he... Um, his father passed away, so they canceled that trip. Okay. They had that group, not necessarily those guys, different guys, have been going since like 1981. Hmm. And it was a big deal to cancel it. Yeah. And, um, but I was like, I'm not missing pheasant hunting. I'm a pheasant hunter now. Right, right. <laughs> so I took my youngest son and my nephew out to Williston, North Dakota, no dog, and looked for similar terrain on had maps of open property and we just walked yeah. we actually luckily really probably the grace of god yeah. i shot a couple yeah. <laughs> pheasants you know and uh but it was just pure pure luck and maybe just burning boot leather you know just bump a couple and uh um and then i was really hooked you know then that next year we had our own dog and i've had a dog since then Okay. So the, the time in Wilson, North Dakota, that was the second year. I'm trying mm-hmm. to just it was. put the timeline together. So yeah. nervous going into that first week. Was it again? I'm still curious about like the first day or two, because to me, that seems like an interesting moment. It, Were you nervous right away and it instantly it, went away kind of thing? Or like, I would say a after a walk or, or two. Yeah. Okay. That, then it was, and I, it sounds I've, you know, hunted hundreds of hours now and, uh, I still get nervous and excited for that opening day. It's like uh, yeah. Christmas, but so uh, South Dakota doesn't open uh, during the day till noon sure. for pheasant hunting. So huh. all morning you got like the jitters. Right, yeah. And um, Just on opening morning you're saying? Or is that every day? I think that, that for can... out-of-staters the first week is noon. Okay, I got you. And it changes from every couple of years. Sometimes it's 10 a.m. Sure. And it's after that it's 10 a.m. Okay. Um, after that first week. But uh, residents can start at 10. Right. Um, so, you, you know, guys are mulling around all morning checking out their gear, showing off their new gear. Um, and I would say after that first push where you see that flush and um, birds fly up and you get an opportunity and connect on that opportunity, I think then it's just goes to an intense adrenaline rush excitement, you know? Yeah, for sure. And a lot of it, the camaraderie, camaraderie I want to touch on that after a little bit here too, but where was the dog's a component of it right from the start for you as well? Like, is you, were you intrigued by that side of it? Uh, for sure I was. Okay. Um, 
the one dog I remember um, that was there, it was older. It was towards the end of its life. I don't think it ever made another trip with us, but yeah. it was, um, it did good. And, and maybe now if I looked at it, I don't know if I'd still say that, but sure. back then I, I was impressed by the dog and it had a great, um, um, it was also a good companion dog, right? It was sure. a good pet. It wasn't mean or anything. So there was a lot of aspects about it that, um, it was a Gordon setter, uh, my friend Rob had, and, uh, it was, uh, it really drew me in. Yeah. Okay. The uh, part of what I am curious about with the camaraderie side of things, and I, I sometimes think I'm, maybe I'm uh, over dramatizing things, but I picture you in a life where you've you've been a business owner, right? You've mm-hmm. raised kids. As a young person, you've got a lot of friends. You've got a lot of that side of things. You get into that different chapter of your life, and you're busy with kids and work and life, and you don't have a lot of friend time. Where all of a sudden you get pushed right back into this, where you're a week straight, you're nothing but just hanging with friends. Was that is that was, true? Is oh, that touching yeah. on something? Yep. And I th- think you know, you say you mule deer hunt. I'm assuming it's not by yourself. Right. You right. travel with someone, even the very first time, right? You're yeah. going for a, um, you're all doing the same thing, heading in the same direction. It draws you in and opens you up to those people that you share stuff with that you probably don't normally share, right? And right. it's and if you're with a good trustworthy group, there's no harm in any of that. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. And then also there's an element of the, to add to the friendship portion is the, the struggle of what you're doing can bring you together as well. Right. For sure. And the planning of it, right. Yeah. The strategizing and, um, and that group in particular, we're hunting on a, um, not a game farm, but a private farm. Sure. Yeah. And those folks usually would be with us and that connection you, you know, experience with them is so fast. And, um, I've gone out hunting to uh, Nebraska and cut through there and just swing in through the farm and say hi to the guys. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. Yeah, for sure. And it almost lets you through those connections as well. Like I could see that relationship being, a an awesome one just because it, it's, they're another connection to that landscape and that world that you really enjoy. Yep. 100%. They get to live that year round. So you, you like step into that world almost. Yeah. Yep. So we've been in North Dakota, uh, more recently, probably the last, or in addition to, I should say the last seven years or so. And, um, some of my friends that hunt there, the same mentor of ours, uh, Mike, he has introduced us to other friends there and I talk to those guys once a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's awesome, you know, and, um, yeah, so we have some tight, tight friendships forming and, yeah, uh, the guys from out West, him and his wife came and visited us last fall and stayed with us and it's such a different thing for them to see all the trees and listen to them talk about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Funny how that is. Hey, how, uh, uh like a super unique, tight interest will create a lot of tight friendships. Hey, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Whereas if you can obviously have tight friendships outside of that, but it, it seems unique to, or it seems to happen in every area. Like my friend, my cousin, Tom, who's a pilot, he's got a bunch of really tight, tight pilot friends, whatever it is, you like lean in on that. And somehow that brings you together compared to just living more of a, a generalist lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. I think you really start bonding quick with the, the people that you're sharing these, you know, hunting trips with and yeah. For sure. And it's not like it's life and death, right? No. But, but when you still physically challenge yourself and mentally challenge yourself and push yourselves harder, um, you know, when we, when we go hunting, especially in North Dakota, 
we might start our day out early in the morning duck hunting Mm -hmm. and then you switch to pheasant hunting then we might switch to a mid-afternoon sharp tail hunt and then we're back to duck or goose hunting right even though it's all fun and it's all vacation, you know, you're walking cattail sloughs or you're soaking wet, you're falling yeah. in, you know, I mean, it's all awesome stuff, but yeah. you know, and you're strategizing at every different place you move to and you watch, you share the moment of the great dog retrieve or the great point and retrieve. And, uh, my buddy Pete has a, um, Labrador and our dogs are like tag team, right? We, he always says we, we get more birds when we stay together, you know, and, the, yeah. and if we keep the dogs together, you know, one points at the other one flushes it and then they might even fight for the retrieve, you know, or whatever. Or normally my short hairs are like, let the lab get it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. So again, thinking about the trajectory. So that first year, it sounds like you got into it fairly quickly. After that, you were like driving home or you're like, this is, this is oh, me. Oh yeah. Or like, what was that like? Yeah, I actually, um, so that first year, I drove out with uh, my buddy that invited me and his father, okay, who was one of the last originals, and um, in that group from 1981, mm-hmm. and um, him and I talked about hunting the whole way back. Yeah, and his, um, it was just great. I mean, I think when we got, even though I known him from many years we got back to my shop to switch vehicles and we're leaving there hugging yeah, i mean it was right. i mean him telling me the stories of old time i felt connected to those guys i didn't even know yeah and um i knew for sure it was i was in both feet right then and there yeah and then what was that like after that like at what point were you after that trip to going well, on these i mean you said six trips last year what what was that transition like? yeah so none of my or i shouldn't say most of my friends don't keep up with that yeah. trajectory. Right. A lot of those are by myself or, um, my buddy Mike has gone on a couple, you know, he's retired. But, um, um, so my third year having a dog, it started increasing mm-hmm. my own dog. And then after that, you know, I said, Oh, I got invited to go to North Dakota at some point in there. And, um, it was all right. So I'm going to go with the North Dakota group earlier and then I'll come home for a week or two and then I'll go to South Dakota. Well, then a couple of years it was, wow, look at that. The, I can grouse and woodcock hunt right up to going to North Dakota. Right. Then I can actually leave here, hunt North Dakota all week long, stay in, and go to South Dakota. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was, well, I brought my son on a trip uh, since he was probably 15, 16, our oldest son. Yeah. Well, my daughter really hunts more than my son. Sure. And, um, geez, what, what trip do I get to go on? Well, we got to have another trip, you know, because a, a girl's trip. Right. Yeah. So then we, uh, brought our father, daughter, I should say. And then we, um, so then we started going to Kansas right after the first of the year and go Bob white hunting and then pheasant hunting. Hmm. And then I realized, well, my snowbird friend, he says, why don't you come visit us in Arizona? Yeah. Great. Yeah. So we try to go early enough, then I can come back and do another hunt. <laughs> yeah. That's unreal. So I, 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 my history, pheasant hunting, I lived in North Dakota. My whole focus was mule deer. I sure. hunted. I, one year when I was out there, I, I went pheasant hunting one day. I kicked up one pheasant shot. So I'm, I'm one for one, 100%. <laughs> but uh, again, my focus was in mule deer, not because that's better or worse, but whatever. That's where it was. But what about the pheasant hunting experience to you today and has it changed are you really excited about is it the the, of course the dog side of things the sunrise the walking all that kind of stuff but is there 
has it shifted and, and where are you at currently? Where has it been before? I'm curious about things that really grip you about it. Yeah. So I think in the beginning, everyone goes through the transformation of, oh, I got to get out there and get my limit. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that for me was a really short time. Okay. And I want to harvest birds. It's way more fun for me the dog, everyone, if we harvest birds, but whether it's woodcock hunting or grouse hunting or uh, sharp tail, you know, hunting or pheasant, it's watching the dog. I mean, without a doubt, I could follow that dog all day long. And, and every time it goes on point, my heart's thumping and Mm. I'm ready waiting for their eyes. And it's, it's all about that right moment right there. Yeah. You feel better if you shoot it and hit. For sure, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it tastes really great. I love cooking. Um, but it's um it's truly about getting that dog out there, walking, following it, you know, the strategy and Yeah. Um and I keep saying pheasant. Of course, you say you're hunting a lot of different birds, but is pheasant number one or do you have a number one or do you enjoy all of it? I would actually say it's probably woodcock or sharp tail uh sharp tail really yeah. okay yeah sharp just because grouse. of the, the challenge that they create or what uh, the birds are so unique okay and i didn't grow up hunting woodcock i would hunt partridge sure. you know and more uh, you know not really with a dog you know maybe road hunting or whatever and um which is a lot of people still do right and uh but it's um and then there's something intriguing about the sharp tail grouse they're that's way more prairie walking as a, you know, the grass is really low and, um, they like to be on the leeward side of, um, hills Mm -hmm. and the thought process that goes into it. And, you know, the dogs are big sweeping, trying to find them and, and then you have a cover your eyes and it's over. And then you might walk three more hours before you get another opportunity. Yeah. And, um, it's grips me. Yeah. uh, So you rarely, when I first started, I thought it was just luck. Like, oh, geez, when am I, that might be a pheasant or that might be a sharp tail. But now we're at the point where we're like, we go to an area to sharp tail hunt. We go to an area to pheasant hunt. Sure. Yeah. You know, as, and rarely do you have a mix, you know? Yeah. Is sharp tail typically in a, a rougher landscape, more of a rolling hills type yeah. landscape versus the pheasants? For sure. Rolling hills, but it's easier walking. Okay. So a lot of, um, once the crops are down, a lot of the hunting for pheasants going to be around cattail sloughs and sure water and stuff. So it can be pretty brutal. Right. And, um, that's usually for the youngest member of the trip, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta walk in there deep. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, the sharp tail is like, um, th- um, calf high grass mm-hmm. and buffalo berries, it's pretty easy walking really. Sure. Actually, a lot of people say if you start walking hard, you're walking in the wrong area. Right. I mean, there's the terrain is, but yeah, take your time and you know, don't kill yourself and it's, it ain't bad. Right. Right. No, I can see it again, enough time out there shed hunting or mule deer hunting and you kick up a covey of sharp tail. And I, I, in my head, even I'm picturing myself like, yeah, I could have got that one. Who knows if I would right, have right. it, but like, yeah, I could see the, the draw, but typically when you are sharp tail hunting, the dog itself, these big wiping, big wide sweeps and you would see it even several hundred yards away on point and you got to try to sneak over there or how does that work yeah so i have a gps collar for the dog okay but i like him to be in the 100 to 200 yards um and they'll lock up on point yeah and i'm not a very good sneaker i'm pretty much running yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) fast walking as you can in the prairie and watching for holes and um you know, getting there as quick as you can. And then, um, 
you know, usually it's you that flushes the birds. So sure. Um, if your dog's holding like it's supposed to be, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And do you do a lot of work in the off season to try to keep them within that tight range, or how do you how do you maintain that? Um, I would say range is pretty natural. Okay. I wouldn't, um, you know, if I want to call them back, I'll beep them on their collar, and yeah. then they'll come back. Okay. If they're on scent, it's getting tighter and tighter, and they're more straight lining. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if I beep them or not. They're not coming back. Sure. So then, you know, you better start paying attention. Right. So. Okay. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. And I feel like that is a common theme. I talked to a few people that I get that work with dogs is the energy that they bring is just so infectious. And that's part of what it is probably, right? Because they're just so fired up. How do you for not sure. get fired up? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and watching the dogs, I mean, and seeing them and we don't work on a lot of um um like setting their range or anything i'm you know there's way better i'm not a dog trainer i'm just a hunter and um all i really work on is here and whoa and fetch okay i mean i don't there may be you know it's pretty much that's it you know load up they jump in the truck yeah you know stay when i open the door without getting out so they don't run out in traffic right um that's about all we work on. Yeah. It, it, you're just hoping for good genetics. Sure. And a Puritan dog breeder or trainer would go well beyond that, but you just want them to be a, an effective hunter, right? Yeah. You. We don't show dogs and um, there's a lot of different uh, competitions out there that people go in and I'm sure their dogs are way better, but yeah, I, I want my dogs to hunt and. Right. Do you really enjoy the off season work with the dogs as well? So we pretty much do something every day, okay. but that's very brief at times. Sure. You know, if it's super cold out, opening the door without them running out the door is training. Sure. It doesn't yeah. have to be this formal setting. You know, when they're in the living room, most of the time they're expected to lay on their bed. Yeah. And we teach them, you know, to go lay on their bed and, uh, or then before they eat, we put food in the bowl and uh, they have to either go on their bed or in their kennel until they're told to release and they come eat. You know, hmm. It's just keeping their, um, I think they crave it. I think they're very smart. I think, you know, our short hairs and like all short hairs probably. Right. And most dogs in general, they crave that structure in their life. Mm-hmm. And um, my wife jokes that our youngest is part St. Bernard. When we have food, it's drooling like crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's awesome to see, but he won't leave that spot until he's told. Right. Yeah. Well, I can see that being rewarding. The dog 
side of it. Again, the the energy that they give you just because of how excited they are to do whatever you're doing, but also the the, <clears throat> the growth that they have that you can see from a, a training or a whatever else it might be. I could see that being pretty cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, being an intelligent being, right? right? They have to be challenged mentally and physically. Yeah, for sure. So that still today is still, you're still fired up. Hey, you still get nervous to go out. You still, I oh mean, yeah. Like next fall, you're looking forward to it. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, yeah, we're, um, you know, always planning the next trip, always planning the next trip. It'll be, um, I'll be in North Dakota for the sharp tail opener, um, next fall, you know, all things equal. I, I'll be there. Sure. Sure. And I want to dive into eventually the, again, business is a, is a world that I'm interested in. So I want to dive into that mm-hmm. with you, but are you familiar with, have you dug into, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Chuker, Chuker, Chucker, Chucker. Sure. Have you, have you um, looked into that at all? I've looked into it and, um, you know, read on it and um listen to podcasts about it yeah and it's uh quite intense you know it's a lot of up and down mountain sides right it's very similar to hunting a uh, mern's quail probably in um southern arizona which i've done on the border um, yeah. but um i've not chucker hunted but i have this um grand aspiration someday that i will travel around and pretty much every hunt every upland bird in north america hmm so that would be on your list of something oh, yeah. you'd want to do? Yep. Well, uh, when I retire, I'll have uh, probably uh, one of the semi-conversion vans that you see a lot mm-hmm. now, like a Sprinter van or something like that. And now I, I want to hunt sage grouse, chuckers, you know, ptarmigan. Yeah. There's so many more species out there. Yeah. And and you think, will it stick with birds? Do you think you'll, will, will it eventually be get to the point once you hit all these check marks that you say, Hey, let's go do something else from a hunting perspective. Or what do you think? Probably not. I would say when I hit all those, I'll probably spend more time in the fall hunting primarily woodcock and then, you know, venture South and chase quail around the desert because walking the desert to me is almost like walking the, uh, Western prairies. It's just awesome. Except a lot of sharp stuff. Yeah, for sure. No. And I, I, had, I remember one time, a, a, a coworker at one point, I asked him if he's going deer hunting and he said, no, I already got a, whatever it was, some huge buck. And he said, I'll never top that. So why would I ever go again? And I'm like, wait a minute. Like you're not hunting for the same reasons that I'm hunting for. Yeah. I don't care how big of a deer I get. I will always continue yeah. to go. You know what I mean? Well, uh, same I thing exactly with what you mean. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm that way for sure. And I think part of it with me though, is once you hunt with your own dog, yeah it's not as satisfying to hunt with your friend's dogs. Sure. I can see that. Yeah. So even when we go to Arizona each year, at some point that's going to have to transition to me bringing dogs there Yeah. because, um, there's a couple, the main guy, um, my buddy Mike, that's there. He has a lab and it's awesome lab. It's a, you know, good hunting dog, but it's not my dog. Right. And it's not a short hair. And, um, he'll, um, I belong to the uh, South, Southern Arizona Quail Forever group. Okay. And there's another gentleman from our group that'll bring some short hairs out. And uh, But still, they're not my dogs. Mm-hmm. So at some point, I'm going to have to uh, start driving there for do a longer trip and hunt with my own dogs there. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be a continued thing. Hey, you're only wrapping it up at, at this point. Oh, for sure. Oh, we're still on the upward trajectory for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the... I'm guessing the gear end of things you hinted at earlier, you probably have gone way too far in that aspect. Too. Oh yeah. Way, you know, down to buying a uh, nice over and under shotguns to, um, finding the right vest and the right boots. And, yeah. and that's been a great journey finding the right vest, even 
And if you just hunt an hour, you never even know, right? <laughs> right. You don't even know if you have bad gear. Right. And uh, now there's a, um, I bought a vest from this guy that I heard about on a podcast. Yeah. And he's called Final Rise. He started a company, sewing company, right in his own apartment. And uh, very similar to the uh, podcast I just listened to yours recently. Sure. And uh, he's out in California and he sews most of it himself or was in um and the vest is amazing and right. and he was really come from the chucker hunting because you can't have gear that's heavy and pulling at you in the wrong you got you know your neck and back are killing and mm-hmm. this has an integrated belt basically that supports your back i mean mm. it's just awesome and right yeah and i'm saying that from first time experience my wife would tell you that the gear journey just never ends oh yeah part of it's just a way to like live in that world when you're back here right for sure it is i I feel like when i was living out there i wasn't as concerned about gear because i was doing it year round whereas now this is a way to just stay engaged yeah even my vehicle is uh our kids are long grown i don't need a um big vehicle but i drive a you know a yukon xl and the back seats are out and the back is made into an area for the dogs yeah right they, they pretty much live back there you know on when they're not at home right and uh you know keep the my hunting gear in there i pretty much have all the supplies i would need almost with me all year round yeah do you and again well maybe we'll tie this into business but a, a prerequisite business question do you really enjoy working with people is that what got you into business or how did you get into business? Yeah, I think that um, for me, it's not even about the business that I'm doing as much as it is about I find customer service very rewarding. Okay. You know, I no matter what it is, we've had several different ventures going, but it's truly, it's not about, I mean, we have to be profitable for sure. Sure, yeah. But it seems like that takes care of itself when you provide great customer service. Yeah, for sure. The reason I ask, and this is a world that I've been interested in, is would you ever consider, or is it something you'd ever look about diving into, is guiding out west? Probably not. Okay. Um, yeah, not. I do enjoy, like I've brought in um, family members out, um, but I feel like as much as I go, I'm too selfish. Like I wouldn't want to give up the time that I have. Sure. And I could see myself hunting a a whole fall out west you know for you know a huge portion six eight weeks straight right and i still haven't had any uh desire to do any guiding sure and and part of the guiding thing for me might be that like i would i would in a heartbeat spend all fall out west right uh and that partially i've wondered if guide the the lure of guiding is it just because that's would allow you to do that whereas if somebody said hey you can guide for a fall or you can just go and hunt for a fall i think i'd have to choose just go and hunt for a fall right yeah for sure at at least me and um when we've hunted in kansas we've become friends with the uh, place we stayed at and the the guy down there matt and uh, you know we're friends on social media which all that makes it so much easier nowadays Mm -hmm. and um and you watch him and he still hunts a ton outside of guiding. Right. Um, but how he um, handles himself very professionally and thoroughly, I, I don't think it's in me to be a guide. Sure. And um, and I don't feel like I have the, the knowledge yet either to offer to someone. Okay. Even though I'm very confident to go hunting. Right. But I think it's a whole different pressure that people don't experience that haven't ever done it. Yeah. Even bringing new people is can be in, um, stressful. Yeah. 
But I wonder to myself too, sometimes do you, not that I'm trying to pitch you on being a guide, like I think it's established that you'd rather hunt, but I'm just curious is that you know so much, so you know how much you don't know. Whereas you compared to the the person that you'd be taking guiding, you would have a world of knowledge and you would add a ton of value, but not that that, again, I'm not trying yeah. to pitch you on it. I just, I, no, I, I think you're right. Yeah. But I think you, you know, you don't know because you're experiencing it. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm very confident that you could drop me over in North Dakota somewhere and I'd find birds mm-hmm. partially because I have feel I have good dogs Sure. <laughs> and most dogs with a nose are good. Right. And right. So it's just, um, but yeah, I just, I, right now I don't have any interest in that. Yeah. The, but the, the retirement stage of a van and hunting all fall, that's something you're oh man looking forward to. Yeah. I'm, uh, <clears throat> and I think to leave here, you know, get some of the local hunting in, head out West, uh, go all the way through Montana, they don't drop down, uh, Wyoming and uh, Utah and hit the chucker hunting and then finish in New Mexico and Arizona, um, hunting the different quail species would just be it. Yeah. It would be awesome. Yeah. We've, uh, or I don't know if I should say we, I've dreamed of eventually you get to the point retirement, obviously it's a long way off, but it gets here before you know it is, uh, a house in the UP live here in the summers, a house in Montana, live there in the fall and then Arizona in the winter. So you could deer hunt in Arizona in January and then spend the rest of the March, February, March and April golfing, I guess, or whatever you want to do. But that would be a dream just to live those three different lifestyles. Absolutely. And I'm, uh, I have a similar dream. Yeah. So we, uh, that sometime, you know, and for my wife, I think to leave, it'd be in short burst. Okay. Now that we're, um, blessed to have grandchildren. Sure. We, um, she says repeatedly, you'll be leaving for the winter yeah. <laughs> and she'll be coming for small visits. Yeah. Um, but you know, Arizona is a state where you can hunt, um, starting early fall, like here. And then it goes to like the February 10th, the 8th, oh. it changes year to year. So as a snowbird in Arizona, I mean, you can especially get to mid December, uh, where it's starting to be cooler and hunt hard all the way through there. It would be awesome. And then most of your winter's gone. Yeah. Right. And then you can start back up here in the spring with on the, you know, training with the woodcock and the grouse, you know, the woodcock start migrating back when we start losing snow. And yeah, so that's hunting without a gun, you know, it's just, um, bringing the dog out, do some videos or just training on, you know, whoa. And, right. um, watching them work is awesome before the leaves pop and, hmm before they start having babies. So like a lot of people consider that a spring season. Right. I never knew that. So the, you, that's actually a thing you would take your dogs out in the spring to train on woodcock. Oh yeah. Okay. yeah when they start migrating back and then they hold better too, uh, in the spring. Huh. The woodcock do your saying. Yeah, yeah. Because they haven't been pressured all, you know. Right. So. Okay. Huh. I wouldn't, I, yeah, I would never have known that. And then you're working with them all summer, just fired up to go in the. Yeah. So the there's quiet periods, you know, when they're, when you can't be out there. Okay. Um, but then after July 15th, we'll go back and start training again in the woods. Okay. So, um, anything else on the hunting side of things that you'd like to touch on? Not that I can think of. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Did you? No. Go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say that again, the, the hunting side of things that could go on all day, but the business side of things, you said you were in law enforcement before you got into it? Yep. So right in, um, right after high school, I went to SUMI college for criminal justice. Okay. And, um, right out of, um, SUMI, I went to Grand Valley Police Academy 
I worked for a year at the Lakeland and police department. So I could want two man at the time mm-hmm. and then uh two person. And then I went to worked at one year at the city of Houghton police department. And then I started working at the sheriff's department at Houghton County. Okay. And I stayed there actually for 14 years. I left there, um, probably about 10 years ago. Okay. I was the detective sergeant there. Sure. Do you feel comfortable going into what made you get out of that? Yeah. You, so I, beforehand you had just, yeah. So yeah. I, I started having back problems and had multiple back surgeries. And, um, so during this time, I also had already had businesses. Okay. Um, in 2002, my partner and I, we would work 12 hour shifts together hmm. and, uh, we'd talk about different things and, I pretty much knew that I would always have my own business. Never quite knew what it would be. Okay. Um, he proposed we start a janitorial service. Well, in high school, I was a janitor for the school and mm-hmm. knew that end of the, you know, the, the actual work part of it. Right. And um, we took a few day trip to uh, lower Michigan, met up with another police sergeant that had a janitorial service hmm. that he used to work with. And he kind of took us under his wing, talked to us about bidding and, uh, how he grew his business and um we actually bought equipment while we were there hmm. and um we had been telling people and we had work waiting for us when we came back and um it was pretty exciting how fast it took off while we would work our shifts and then you'd have about 14 days a month off when you're on 12 so you would you know all your night shifts you'd get up and work mm-hmm. and um get home, crash for a few hours before you went back to work night shift or whatever it might be. So we worked our tail off, especially that first six, seven months. And, um, he asked, asked me to buy him out actually. And it was way more work than he wanted to do physically. You know, we were sure we're having a hard time getting traction of getting employees and, you know, both of us, that was our dream is we'd hire people and they would do all the work and we'd manage it and find new work. Mm Mm-hmm but getting rolling, we were physically doing the work. And, um, um, so, you know, we, I bought him out and we've continued to do that business uh, since then. Okay. We have, um, roughly 30 to 35 employees right now. And we do a lot of commercial, uh, mainly only commercial cleaning, uh, schools and local businesses. Sure. Okay. Um, did you have a strong interest in business before that or? So my family growing up, most of my relatives own their own business. Okay. Um, uh, my grandfather and great uncle uh, started Madela contracting back in the fifties. And a lot of people in our family talked about working for the company. Sure. That was, that was the company, you know, and uh, right. one of my uncles and, um, another, um, long time employee there took that business over and, um, eventually my uncle ran it by himself. My mom had a couple of restaurants when I was a kid growing up. Um, my dad a lot, did a lot of drywall work on his own. You know, I think a lot of our family members had drywall businesses. Mm-hmm. They said Rylas were always drywallers. Well, more recently, they're mostly police officers. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, we have a lot of people in our family that own their own businesses. Okay. So that was in your blood and you had kind of known that all along that that would be something you'd get into. Hey? Yeah. I, I think I, when I worked at the city of Houghton police department, I, one of my night shift partners, I remember telling him like, this is no way to make a living. Like if you could have 10, 15 people working for you, you'd be way better off than trying to make hourly rate for someone. Right. And, right. and it's, um, 
I think that was my goal. Okay. Didn't even know it was my goal, but you know, I knew I'd have some kind of business at some point. Sure. So saying in 2002, I, we started that janitorial in 2004. I was actually still doing some of the work ourselves. And mm-hmm. I was, uh, waxing a floor up at, in, um, Cuna County with another, um, uh, a guy working for me. Right. And he, I was asking him, he was laid off construction worker. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, what's your, what's your plan? You know, and someday I'd really like to do an auto glass business. Hmm. And I said, well, why don't I buy the tools and you'll come work for me. Right. And we joke, you know, talked about it throughout the night. And, um, I was so excited about the idea that that night I got home and, uh, ordered everything online. Yeah. And, and at eight o'clock in the morning, I called him. I said, where are you at? He's, oh, I'm sleeping. I said, Hey, I thought we were starting this all glass business. I ordered everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say to that? He probably thought you were crazy. Oh, he drove down. Oh, I'm sure he thought I was crazy. He, yeah. he, um, he ended up being a general manager for us at, we had three stores for a while and, huh. um, worked for us for many years and it was, it was a great ride. It was awesome. Yeah. So, Clearly you have the same trait the, of what this podcast is about is obsessed, right? You go bird hunting and you're into it right away and you're going home saying, I'm a bird hunter forever. Um, you come up with an idea and the next day you're ordering the stuff or that night you're ordering the stuff. Where does that come from? Have you always been that way? Um, I would say that I've probably been pretty fast to react Okay. my whole life. And I, I guess I'm not exactly sure where it comes from. I think my dad was the, would make fast decisions like that on buying a house or we moved a lot when I was growing up. Um, you know, I think he would take risks, um, quickly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I don't think it was ever, we were never discouraged from it growing up either. You know, Mm -hmm. if you said you were going to do something, go for it, you know? Right. So Yeah. yeah, we were, uh, I mean, we opened our store in, in, uh, Berga that we had for a while. I was driving through downtown Berga. I happened to look over my shoulder and seen a vacant warehouse next to Larry's market and thought about it to as far as the Pines gas station and turned around and went back and <laughs> went in Larry's and said, who owns that building? And, um, they said, well, Pete does. He's the owner. Let me get him. Yeah. They went and got him. And before I left there, we had a handshake deal on a lease. Unreal. So we opened up location number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, <clears throat> I, I'm just curious where that comes from. Cause even starting this podcast, I was telling my wife, I said, you know what? I don't know. Should I do it? Should I not? And she's like, well, why don't you? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it by 9am the next morning. I had the equipment ordered or whatever it was. You know what I mean? It just, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. yeah. Just go once it grips you, it's like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like exactly. you're, you're going for it. Right. Yep. For sure. And, and that's how the, the bit that business world has been for you. Hey, the glass, the auto pro, uh, th- oh, yeah. that was just like that overnight kind of it, thing. It was. And in, in a way, the automotive part of owning a business, I always thought I wanted to own a gas station. Okay. When I was a kid growing up in Chassel, there was a gas station. A lot of us friends hung out at ride your bikes there. You know, they let you buy pop or you might pump gas for people, but never really worked there. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was the coolest thing and have a full service gas station where you wash people's windows. I, for some reason, I always thought that was just awesome. Yeah. And, um, and, and then the tires the, at that station, they didn't do a lot of tires, but it intrigued me. Yeah. And, um, 
so then when we started running with the auto glass, we added tires about 10 months later. Hmm. I was going through the, um, I had a partner at the sheriff's department that liked to go to the, through the McDonald's drive through a lot. And I, Bill Siler contracting was where our building is now. Okay. And, um, he had all kinds of trailers blocking it. And hmm. he, my partner at the time commented, he said, boy, that'd be a spot for a business. Well, that's all it took. I got off at work at five in the morning. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. I drove up to Bill Seiler's place and introduced myself and asked about renting the building. And he wanted to know why I wanted to rent it. And I told him, he said, I like that idea. I think it'd be a good spot. Hmm. And, um, I rented from him for probably eight years on a handshake deal that, that day, actually, he told me to go back to my house, write down what I expect from him as a landlord. And he would see what I thought while well, I stared at the paper for a day or two. I walked back to, or drove back to his shop. I said, I don't expect anything from you. Right. He said, you'll be a perfect tenant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Did, so currently, is that what it, where a lot of your focus is, is on the auto pro glass and tire? Or are you um, UP janitorial and auto pro or where, where is so, the bulk of your, your professional focus? Um, it's very mixed. Okay. So. I would say my office is my cell phone. Okay. I spend a fair amount of time at the building auto pro glass and tire, uh, and I'm certainly involved there. Um, but also our, um, janitorial service, you know, it's just a phone call away. We don't have an office, right? But at the same time, we also have a business that we uh, build my wife and I, we build rental houses too. So we hmm. usually have one or two houses in the works at the same time. Um, started that a few years back we actually were buying houses to rent okay and then um i would say maybe five years ago we decided that we wanted to build brand new houses so hmm. they're small little houses about a thousand square feet and we have one larger duplex uh, we did that and uh, it just wasn't for me the big duplex um we still have it and it rents and but um there's something intriguing about building these small little houses they go up fast and they're they, um, have unique little touches and, um, you know, so we also have that going on too. And my dad has been a great help with that. He's you know, say semi-retired cause he's working for us, but he's in his manages a lot of it. Mm -hmm. So do you enjoy the many layers aspect of it? Yeah, for sure. Okay. When we had three stores for auto pro glass and tire, our goal was eventually to go, you know, we thought we'd have across the UP or across states or whatever you know and right. um um one of our wholesale suppliers saw how successful that they were or we were and wanted to buy us all mm -hmm. well it turned out he, he bought baragon lawns because of financing okay and then um it didn't work out for him well when we were down to one store we grew bigger than all three anyway but i started taking on other stuff then right so we had a um, firewood processing uh or business for a while we then we, then i bought a log truck so we'd sell loads of logs um you know i had a um, residential trash pickup service for a little while we sold that but um you know it's like not having the three stores like well i gotta fill my time with something let's add you know and i think I, my mind just works that way yeah you you thrive in that world where you are many different things at once hey yeah 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 and the, and the business side, the entrepreneurial side at this point, currently, what's your biggest benefit or, or what side of that do you really enjoy? 
on top of you just thriving in that world, but is it the people? Is it the customer service? Is it employees? What side? Yeah, of it's things? for sure the the customers and um, um, you know when you service people and you know you're doing a good job or they tell you you're doing a good job and it's just a good feeling, you know, it's like when people have an issue and you're able to help them with that issue, whether it might be having their business cleaned or their cars broken down, it's just, it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. Does that tie back into why you really liked that gas station experience as a kid that you could clean their windows and pump their gas and whatever else? Probably. I, I would say there's some, and as a kid, as a young kid, I mowed lawns around Chassel. A lot of us, our friends did, you know, you sure. compete for those different and just, you know, when you'd have your customers tell you you did a good job or give you a couple dollars extra because he did or brought you out lemonade. I mean, it was, it was super rewarding. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I picture, and I, I'm curious if you can give some insight to this because I have been interested in business and sale uh, business first and sales second because of I, I've, I don't, I don't know if this, where I found this from, but I believe that the better you are at communicating, the better you are, are at working with people, the better you will be as a business owner or somebody that will run a business, working with your employees or customers or whatever it is. So, but that, that whole world has been something I've been interested in for a while. But I picture there to be like seasons to everything, right? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And I'm curious, that, that is that true for you? Like from like a uh, on a micro scale from each business, like a season of growth and, and, and hurdles and then stability, then more growth, but also on a life scale too, right? Yeah, there's definitely seasons. And, um, and in the beginning, there's a real honeymoon season, I would say you're flying high, right? And, right. And I don't think even start, if I were to start another new business or a new service within a business, I don't get as high or low anymore, but a lot of it I think too is in the beginning, you know, we were financing stuff like crazy, right? Like way in over our heads. And I think some of that excite is exciting. Sure. Right. You know, like, well, hopefully you make payroll this pay period or, you know, um, so I think now you still get exciting times, but they're different, right? Sure. As your business matures and, you're more secure financially, but you still, all those little victories, right? Like you get through your schedule of the day and everyone leaves happy and, and no one gets hurt and mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And, um, um, yeah, there's definitely the seasons like you're saying. Yeah. But so seasons within the business, but seasons within you too, personally. Yeah. And I think that's tied very closely though. Sure. Right. Your, right, yeah. your highs and lows of the, of the business for sure. Yeah. It, were there any, I mean, there had to have been, right. Some pretty stressful times in that, in that business world of, are you going to make payroll on Friday and oh, what, yeah. are, what are we doing this for and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think there's been a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, um, I'd say months and months of, uh, you know, no sleeping and, um, I would just get up and leave the house or go to, go to the business and, you know, um, mull over different paperwork or whatever at, you know, two, three in the morning, and then you'd work all day. And, um, there's definitely been some, a lot of that over the time, you know? Yeah. Any, any lessons you can point to? Like if you could talk to your younger self of what you would say, or to somebody else that was, is in your position? I guess off the top of my head, um, we, I was never one to write a business plan. Okay. Um, 
usually if the if we were trying to get financing and the bank would ask us for a business plan i would go there and talk them into it or sure but i would never fill out the paperwork for an actual business plan take that effort i i think as you know someone that's starting out it would go it'd be good to go through that process right and and learn budgeting and stuff like that and um i was more about bigger vision planning like let's Mm -hmm. get this and we've been fortunate to have um good employees that helped me pull that along it certainly wasn't just me you know they're um you know they could see the vision and then let's let's act it out sure right part of what i've learned this 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 podcast experience has been really fun but i've learned of one thing I'm, i'm i'm just experimenting in my head is is it you aren't the type to make a business plan, right? Correct. Uh, naturally. No, not at all. No. So is it worth not trying to force what you aren't naturally? And and, and you sure. found a way to make it work for you. And, and that, is that either having mentors that can guide you that are, are more in that way or employees or yep. a spouse or whatever it might be of, I just, I just wonder if it doesn't always work to try to, you know, you, you follow this guy's plan, but it doesn't fit who you are. So it just doesn't necessarily work. Sure. And then do you agree with that? I agree. And I also ever since the beginning, I'm not highly organized. Sure. So we've always had a bookkeeper. We've always had someone that comes in and files for us because it isn't me. I would throw the stuff right in the garbage before I started filing it in a filing cabinet, which doesn't work. Right. It's so even one of our first hires was having someone come in and keep the book straight. Sure. And, um, that's been huge. And, um, that would probably be the, is hire people for the stuff you don't want, even if you can't afford it because you can't afford not to. Right. Right. So, okay. And there is, um, I, I a little bit, I, I also bounce back and forth on that is like hire the th- people for the things that you don't want to do, but there's also value in sweeping the floor. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but at the same time, if there, uh, there are some areas where do the hard work because it's beneficial to do that but also again uh, super critical things like book work or filing or whatever else if that's not you then find somebody to fulfill that yeah for sure and and I, especially starting off i'd be way better off cleaning the shop so to speak sure myself instead of hiring that out and right. spending the money on a bookkeeper right on a more important task right right okay but did you picture or project in your mind i suppose how do you but did you picture in your mind that you'd be today where versus when you started that business life i guess you would say um not in so many directions even though that is my personality yeah i really didn't um i've never really thought out where my plan would be okay um but i if i had to look back i would say we probably did better than i even thought possible sure i mean it's um i feel very fortunate and you know it's truly we've had great people working for us and great customers in every aspect right and i feel like whatever business we had we had good support of it by the community right from the start Mm -hmm. i'm curious again i i did touch on some of the pain points is a is a business and an entrepreneur entrepreneurial life something that you would recommend to the general world but also like i take it close to heart like your your children would you say hey guys there's a tough road ahead of you or what would you say to other people that are considering it so our kids intimately know there's a tough road yeah um 
I think if it's your personality, you should do it. Okay. Um, but um, my oldest son went to work and, you know, he works locally here, but for a corporation. Okay. It's semi himself because he, it's Edward Jones. So you're, sure. you're almost like your own business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter works for me and she says she would never take over our business and our right. youngest son wants no part of working in it at all. Yeah. And um, so... But I still feel for the right people, it's exciting. And um, we have, you know, close friends that their kids are, you know, going off on their own businesses. And Mm -hmm. I'll connect with those uh, young people right away. You know, we have strong connections and it's fun to talk about. So I I would never discourage anyone from doing it. And um, I think over time people, you know, and everyone that's owned a business probably has been asked by people, you know, Mm -hmm. about they'll bounce ideas off you and... Some of them, you just shake your head, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're right, you know? Right, yeah. No, I'm thinking about it too from the perspective of who you are naturally, right? Don't be the bookkeeper if you're not the bookkeeper. But also if you are the type that gravitates towards these ideas and you're able to fulfill a vision or or, and execute whatever it is, then do that, Yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. And jump in, you know, with two feet. Yeah. I just wonder how many people are like myself included. I mean, business has been something I've been fired up on. You could argue doing real estate. I'm just like your son that it's your kind sure of your you thing, right? Yep. But, but also how many people are not that gravitate towards that life that really, really struggle in a corporate structure that should make that leap and, and get into something. Right. And a lot of people's life circumstances don't allow it to, sure. right? Yeah. If you get your, you know, if you have too much debt, if you have, um, you know, if a wife and children at home or a husband and children at home or whatever it might be, you know, you're, you may not be able to leap in. Right. You know, and I feel really fortunate when I worked shift work, I was able to start, I, you could say I took the safe way. Sure. Except for the, you know, debt we incurred along the way. Um, right. probably just growing too fast, you know, but I was really couldn't hold myself back at that point. But we, right. um, um, we're able to start the business and go. And I, I really don't feel the businesses took off until we were in it all the way. Really until you took, yep. you, you were no longer in law enforcement, whatever you were. Yep. You're fully committed, right? And you're there and as great of employees as you have or will have, no one cares as much as you care. Yeah. So you can um, see opportunities quicker on where you could turn things or mm-hmm. spend less money on, you know, um, maybe miss some expenses, which is just profit then. Right. For sure. No, I could, yeah, I could see that. It's uh definitely benefit in, in, in prove the concept almost uh, five years ago, I would have been on the mindset of like what you'd picture to be like this Hollywood story of like, no, quit the job today, sink in tomorrow. You're going to, you're going to take off like this, but maybe it's cause you get older or whatever else. But now I currently feel as though there is benefit in like work the day job until the other thing forces you out of it. Yep. I think that's wise. And I think that's, you know, a good way of thinking, honestly. Yeah. And, and it all also depends on what business you're thinking of. Right. Sure. And, um, I mean, I truly think even for, for you that this could become a, a business that you make money on. Sure. sure. And it could be a, a great side business. Right. Or it could be a full-time business. You know, you know, you don't know where it can go. 
Right, right. Yeah, I know it's, uh, I got into this with the mindset, like I told my wife, I would lose money to do this. Like, I do not care. I'm fired up to do sure. this. If it went somewhere, it would be awesome just because it would allow me to continue to do it. Yeah. Eventually you have to, I mean, if I'm losing money to do this and, and you've got a wife and kids, whatever else, like eventually you got to figure something out, right? Um, of course you lose money mule deer hunting. Sure. That's right? true. So right, it's just yeah. the hobby. It's just what hobby are you going to pick? Yeah. At this point, but no, I mean it for sure. If it, if it went somewhere, that'd be, that'd be okay. Like it would, it'd be fun to explore this world yeah. of, of what this could be. But I also wonder like you're the type and I feel like I'm probably similar. You're the type where you thrive in this world where you can be creative. You can execute on these other areas. You can do this. You can do seven things at once. There's a part of you that says, like I'm picturing back, like my grandpa that worked in the mine, whether or not he was like this, he, had, he probably had no choice. You got to work in the mine. You got to bring home the groceries, whatever. For sure. There's value and honor in that. And part of me says, I guess I don't know, just a thought exercise I go through of like, what did those guys do that were like that, that weren't built for that, but they did it anyway out of, uh, like there's something super honorable about that. Oh, for sure there is. And, but then like I look at my grandfather worked a short time in the mines mm -hmm. in construction, but you look at those, him and it, he, they peeled pulp. Sure. They farmed. Right. I mean, they were an entrepreneur doing many different things. Mm-hmm and their business was them sure and it you know so it's easy to say that oh they didn't have a business and i bet you your grandfather did multiple different jobs yeah which to put food on the table right right yeah and, and as you're saying that that's true he had many things yeah, yeah. so they're they were i think our earlier generations that was very common sure and um those people were great entrepreneurs and the business was them yeah huh that's interesting in my head, I had this vision and, and you, you're, you're totally right. But in my head, I had this vision where they didn't like, I mean, obviously people did, but in yeah. my head, the majority of people, you went to work, you worked in the factory, you went in the mine, you came home and that's what you did. But for sure, my grandpa made cheese, he sold strawberries, he made firewood, yep. whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, that's interesting. So human nature doesn't change in 50 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, and, and I think up here. If you think of your friends or your uncles or your parents, how many of the people up here are like that? Yeah. It's, there's not a lot. And I think it's changing a little bit, but I think there's still a lot of people up here that do multiple, uh, wear multiple hats, right? Mm -hmm. That that bring income in or even they just, they have many different interests, but there's a lot of people up here that they have a full-time job and they might do uh, blueberries on the side, strawberries, they sell firewood, you know, what, whatever it might be. So I think it's a common trade up here, yeah. it, but people just don't say it's a business. Right. Sure. And I wonder too, do you think a lot of that is because they thrive like you, or is it a lot of it? Like go back 20 years, you almost had to do that just to live up here. Yeah. And especially if you want to do extra things, right? So right. we had, we had three, uh, children in travel hockey at one time. Yeah. So, before I had businesses, I would sand drywall for other, you know, I would help with remodel stuff. I would do whatever I could, even though it wasn't a business, mm -hmm. you know, to make extra money or we'd work overtime shifts or whatever it was. So it, I think up here in general, it's a common, a common, um, trait. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I would agree with you, but I, I am curious about the, uh, little bit of the, of the mindset because there is a, a person who does that where it's utility they need to pay the bills to put their kids in travel hockey and there's a person that like you that does it 
because that's where you thrive. I mean, maybe there was a point where you were doing it to pay for hockey, but Both. I, the, yep. right. But yeah. And, and what I'm curious about is, yeah, just that, that difference or also like, why is it that you would struggle not to be like that? I don't know. I mean, it's just human, who you are as a person, right? Right. Right. And why or how I got here, I have no idea. I do believe, you know, there's some genetically, it was like that too. Right. Yeah. Um, I never knew the grandfather on my dad's side, but you know, from stories, it was the same path as, you know, multiple things. You grow up on a farm, you have the farm, you, you know, um, work in forestry, do many different things. So I think that a lot of our ancestors are that way. If you break it down. Yeah. Right. And another thing I am, I've wondered if it's because I've been in, okay, vehicle sales, real estate, and then doing this, I talked to a wide array of age groups, whatever else. And I, I learned that even though there's similarities, there's a lot of seasons. And that, and for some reason, something that's been gripping me lately is the seasons of life. Maybe because I have young kids and I realize that this is a short season. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's, uh, so it excites me. Uh, the the seasons of, of the year and of life are pretty cool. I mean, that's part of what the UP is about and of life, right? Oh, for sure they are. And you're going to find that those seasons fly by of life, right? Where right. you have the young children. And then, I mean, for me, it's really hit me. Like I went from having young kids and especially when my daughter got married and you walk her down the aisle, it's like, wow. And now we have grandkids on the scene. It's like they fly by, you know, uh-huh. and, um, it's so important to enjoy the season you're in. Right. Sure. And, you know, I talk about, you know, retiring and, um, being able to hunt across the country or, you know, you mentioned the similar interest. And I think a lot of the reasons I take the multiple trips per year are, I don't want to wait. I mean, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So it's like, if you can take advantage of it and you have a weekend and, and I don't have, um, you know, it sounds like a huge luxury to do these. And I, I know it is, I feel like I'm super blessed to be able to do it. But I mean, this is like leaving work Thursday at five o'clock and then being back, you know, 5 a.m. on Monday. Right. And you're back to work. You know, I mean, there's, you can get a lot of places in 10 hours. For sure. And you're probably answering emails on Saturday evening as you're going to bed. Well, and the whole time you're driving and the whole time you're coming back, right? Right. You know, the, the phone calls and it's not like you completely check out. I talk to customers all the time. I've, you know, this last time in Arizona, I was cresting the hill, my phone uh, rang. I answered it. The person never knew I was answering the phone in the desert of Arizona. Right. right. So if you wanted to completely unplug and I've taken years ago, I used to take vacations like that. We'd get to the airport. I'd shut my phone off, throw it in the glove box, Yeah. come back seven days later, turn it on. And then it's just heck to pay. Right. Right. So now if you just, I think it's more relaxing for me to stay tied in a bit, mm-hmm. take care of everything as it comes up and just keep moving forward because almost everything that I do is a phone call now or a email. So, right. Yeah. Do you crave that though? The being able to unplug? Um, for short periods. Okay. And my wife is similar. Like she doesn't uh, like to take a vacation like more than a week after that. She's like, Hey, let's get home, you know? Or, right. And I think her sweet spot even is four or five days. Yeah. Um, some of our like an, our actual vacation where there's hunting not hunting involved um only talking about hunting yeah. we'll, we usually <laughs> go to um yeah. on a trip with other business owners yeah uh, especially in the automotive industry 
uh, there's groups that we belong to that bring you all together. Mm-hmm. So it's still a lot of like business learning and stuff. Sure. But then I always end up being migrating with the, the guys that'll go deep sea fishing or, mm-hmm. um, our bird hunters, right? Right. From all over the country. I know bird hunters because they also own entire businesses or work in that industry. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, and thinking back to the seasons, like you said, they fly by, a lot of people probably realize this, but I just can feel it. And I tell my wife, she gets annoyed. Like, yeah, before, you know, we'll be 70 and I'm not, I'm not trying to rush it, rush it or anything, but I just can realize and see like, this goes by quick, every step of it. Yep. You're uh, so true. I mean, even though my granddaughter born at the end of October, right? Right. She's holding her head up. I mean, and looking, looking at you in the eyes. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And that was just from October. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it just flies by. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 yeah, good stuff for sure. The, but then I was thinking about the season again is the, the, your retirement season about the, the out West doing that stuff. <clears throat> yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And I think that it's, uh, I, I do want to say I'll, it'll be bigger trips, right? When sure. we're in actual retirement, but I'm also not waiting for retirement to take pieces of it now as we go. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, uh, but have you realized that? I suppose you have, it sounds like you have the, 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 the seasonality of life and yeah. the, how quick it all goes and whatever. And for sure. And you know, the reason I left law enforcement was the health problems and I, they're not behind me. Yeah. I live with them every day, but it also, that pushes me to like, say, I'm not waiting for something. Right. Because, Hey, what if one day I wake up and I can't walk? Yeah. And, uh, cause my spine is held together by bolts and rods and it's not any bone structure there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you don't know what, what you have every day. Right. So as long as I can put one foot in front of the other, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, and of course I've used that, you know, excuses. Yeah. I really got to go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. um, and my family's been super supportive of it too. My wife has been i don't like like i said she sincerely loves it when i'm gone especially only if i take the dogs yeah right yeah <laughs> package deal you and the dogs right right enjoy. i can go anywhere i want with the dogs <laughs> right yeah no it's uh yeah it's good stuff so you're obviously you're fired up to head back out west again in four or five months and, and obviously yeah yeah and i'll probably make a couple uh trips there this summer okay um similar to doing the woodcock training after july 15th you can uh, run the uh, prairies, you know, once the birds are big enough that your dogs aren't going to catch them. Yeah. So I'll probably make a couple trips, you know, after the middle of July and yeah, no gun. You're just going out there with the dogs to work the dogs on yep. the, yep. on the birds. So that's funny. And it's, I have a um, pair of sunglasses with a built-in camera. So I'll usually video them. I don't even share them. I just huh. for my own pleasure. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I, I think most from an outside perspective would think that's pretty crazy that you would make a trip out West to not hunt birds, but just work your dog on the birds. <laughs> oh yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think even most think it's crazy how much I even go there to hunt, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's something that I love and, um, it brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. Well, no, Adam, I really appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on. Yep. Thanks for having me. It yeah. was a good time. Yeah. Hey guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.